This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Every Step Along The Way. Now this has actually been sat with us since we recorded it in January, but due to sound issues with the recording, we've been trying to enhance and improve it since. It's still far from perfect, so our apologies for that, but seeing as Dicko had taken time out of his pre-match routine to speak to us, we believe it's only right that it gets released for you all to listen to as best you can. So yes, as mentioned, this podcast sees us chat to Carl Dickinson, but we also speak to Hanley Town Chairman Ron McElreevy on the great work on and off the pitch that the club is doing. So to set the scene, it's a chilly Saturday afternoon in January. Myself and Andy have headed to Pottery's Park, home of Hanley Town FC, and the location for the hub used by men's mental health charity Men Unite. Hanley are flying high, 18 months after Chairman McElreevy took charge and lead the Midlands Football League Premier Division, going into the day's game against relegation-threatened Bugley Town. Before the game, we were able to sit down with Hamley manager Carl Dickinson and talk through how he came to be in charge at Pottery's Park. Welcome to the podcast, Carl Dickinson. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you were you, at Yeovil last season, weren't you? Yeah. Um, how did you end up at Hamley Town? Um, it was basically a little um, conversation I had with Ron. Uh, he introduced himself. Uh, I thought he was messing about to begin with, but then we just started chatting a lot more when I realised how serious he was. Um, and when he said, fancy taking a step into management, it was um, just seemed like the perfect phase for me to walk into, which was um, sort of back home instead of sitting on the motorway and staying away from the family. Um, but yeah, it was, it was something that I got excited about. Like I say, it's the next step into uh, transition. Well, the next step into coaching and management, but also still being able to play as well. But um, no, everything just seemed the perfect fit, and I thought it was a great opportunity. Brilliant. I mean, obviously, you've been able to bring in players that you've played with, like Danny Pugh, Ryan Shotton. Uh, was that something that was? talked about before you joined or was that something that you'd sort of come about once you once you were here no it, it's, it's something that just seemed to happen kind of thing it was um uh so i knew Pew wasn't doing anything um they'd obviously been uh relieved of his duties at port vale and i just said if you're not doing that just come and have a kick around 
definitely was. Same with Shotton as well. He'd, he'd been in Australia. Um, I knew he wasn't doing anything. And it was exactly the same thing. Just not doing anything. Come training, come playing. And the lads have helped me out massively. Uh, so he was already back in state. I was going to say that you could be a great salesman if you got him back from Australia. No, to no, I wish, I wish I could <laughs> say that. But um, no, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I have played with these lads. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here, let's be honest. Um, but they've been first class, every single one of them that have played higher. But the way they've integrated with the lads who've not been at those levels and, and played around here, we've, we've got a fantastic group. They help the younger lads, the lads that haven't played to them levels. I think they realise the way we train and the way we do things. They've actually realised quickly, right, we'll get up to here. Um, but like I say, the, the group has been first class, whether it's been a player that's played at a high league or lads that haven't quite got there yet. Um, the way we, we do things, we have standards and everyone's stuck to that and we've seen the benefits of it. I mean... Uh, would you say that obviously it's difficult because you go into every game in FTV expecting to, to win. Is it difficult in the change room to keep everybody focused when you are winning week after week? Um, for me, in my own head, no, because you should just love winning. Yeah. Um, and like I say, we have certain standards that I want us to keep at. Don't get me wrong, there isn't going to be every game where you can do that. We've, we've tried to set that out, but for me, you should just love that feeling of winning because it's it's different now because lads work all week and they need to come somewhere like training on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a game on a Saturday where they can just play football with a smile on their face and that's exactly what we try and do here. And the more, don't get me wrong, when we work, we work properly, but we enjoy it. We, have, we do everything that's realistic, but I want them to play football with a smile on their face. I want them to come on a Tuesday Thursday, Saturday, just think, you know what, we'll run our socks off for 90 minutes, we'll play as well as we can, we can finish a game, hopefully with three points, and we can have a little beer after, and we'll get back to next week. So. Okay. It's all going really well, so now I say you're top of the league, um, just, was it just the one defeat this season in the yes. league, um, you bounced back straight away and won the game after this. So it's yeah, it was obviously disappointing, it was a bit of a weird game actually. More from Dicko later as we look back on his time at Stoke. But he wasn't the only person we spoke to. We also got some words from the chairman, who told us his views on the summer's appointment of Dickinson and how things are going this season. I first approached Carl at the back end of last season and obviously Carl didn't know much about Hanley Town. He thought I was joking, but I kept on and kept on at him and he kindly decided to come down and have a meeting. Once we had a face-to-face and he knew I was serious and, you know, where we were serious in what, in what we wanted to do, I actually think it was a no-brainer for Carl. Very easy where decision. He's a family man, so we get to give him, you know, with the opportunity to come home. He spends quite a few years on, on the road so we're to come home and be great with his wife and family, who I have to say are absolutely fantastic people as well, you know, and they've were bought into the football club. So that's really, really nice to see. And that's exactly what we are, a nice, friendly family football club. And with Carl's great contacts, 
in uh, the professional game. We've been lucky enough to get to the likes of Dave, where Kevin on board, who I have to say is a very, very integral part of what we're doing here. And I think Carl will admit himself he's learning quite a lot from Dave. And then thank, you know, we're thanks to Carl and nobody else really, you know, we were able to bring in the likes of Chris Greg Dagnall through through with their experiences at Yeovil, the likes of Louis Dodds, you know, when Carl was captain at Port Vale, where Danny Pugh and Ryan Shotton, who were obviously at Stoke. So, yeah, look, Carl is massive for this football club and it's put us on onto the footballing map and, you know, we've had our best ever run in this season's FA Cup and give us your live TV game. So, yeah, things are going great. And, you know, a full credit get to Carl and his staff. You know, we're really up for that. I can give him all the tools, all of the finances he wants. But as we know in football, it's not all about spending. It's how you spend it. And he has spent it very, very wisely. Now, Ron mentions that about being able to give Carl the resources and being the chairman. Here he explains his own Hanley story and also the role Men United played in him becoming aware of the role being available and the work being done since his appointment in June 2020. I became chairman of Hanley Town in June of 2020. It all came about by chance, really. In my role with Men United, we were seeking a Sunday league pitch and I was told there was a potential of Hanley Town becoming available. So I went down there and chatted to the existing shareholders at Hanley and I was informed they couldn't make a decision until they until they appointed a chairman. And I said, yep, no problem, shook hands with them and I walked away on that day. Then I went home and I had a niggling feeling and in the, at the back of my mind, thinking, I could do that. I think I'd be very good at that. So I arranged a meeting with the shareholders at Hanley, told them my web proposal, and they accepted it, and I became chairman in June of 2020. Since then, Hanley Town and men, men were united, formed a great link, uh, and... We have now got a full-time men's mental health hub open at Hanley Town Football Club. It's accessible between 8am and 4pm every day. And if people want to get to pop down and have a chat or, or just have a coffee or just have an escape for 30 minutes from, from the outside world, then we are here. And that's what we're here to do. I think football, men's mental health is a perfect partnership. Such a massive help to people during these recent times of COVID and lockdowns is the ability to talk, get things off your chest, or even just have somewhere to go to chat to people, or maybe as simple as getting out the house. Ron mentioned there about the Men United hub that's been set up at Hanley Town. Here he sends a message to whoever needs to hear this about the help that they offer and how to access it. To people who are struggling in the Stoke-on-Trent and wider 
local area and they feel they have nowhere to turn, I am here today to tell them that they do. Come to Hanley Town. We are here 8 to 4 p.m. every day. Come and pop in. And if you just want to have a chat, someone to listen to you, somewhere get to moan, just come and get away from the world for 30 minutes, then we'll come down and do so. You don't need a referral from a doctor. Just, just go come down, walk in and see us and we will be there and we will try our best to help you as much as we can. We're all in this together and together we are stronger and we will get through this. Watching Ron here on a match day, we can see the importance, the spirit around the ground is to him and how hands-on he is with the supporters. The club has certainly kept its feet on the ground, helped in part by our long-standing club volunteers buying into this new vision and journey that the club is going on. We spoke to a turnstile operator, for example. He, he said he'd hardly missed a game since the club was formed in 1966 and he told us now that he enjoys these games just as much as any he has before. And that is certainly something the chairman will be keen to hear. We pride ourselves on being a friendly and welcoming club. I always make sure that I try and go around every single person who attends and and have a couple of minutes chat with them and say thank you. Because in these times, even part of £7 is hard. And, you know, we need to show some sort of appreciation to where the people who come down and watch. So I am very key on that and all of the other shareholders and staff are very friendly and welcoming because without the people who come down, you know, whether that be fans, sponsors, groundhoppers, then we can't survive as a football club. So yeah, I like to go get the extra mile where for people and try and make them feel as welcome as possible. And then that get transcends then through myself, through through the staff, and even through where the fans then, and then they start talking to each other, and they build a friendship and they build a bond. So, yeah, it's 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 great to see. And as for how far we're able to go in in uh, the pyramid, well, sky is where the limit as far as I'm concerned. You know, we go go for the stars. Obviously, our first step is to get into step four, then probably get stabilised for a season or two and just see exactly where we are and then go again. But who knows if we're in a position come when next season to try and gain more promotion, then, you know, well, we'll certainly go for it. Never say never. Back to Dicko now, and as promised, he runs through his time at Stoke, playing in midfield for Noel Blake, penalty shootouts with Johan Boskamp, how the club changed overnight when the Coates family brought it back. The, and now there's one photo on his wish list that he needs to get hold of. He then obviously talks about his moves post-Stoke, including a spell as captain of Port Vale, and his own hopes for his future. Moving now, moving on to your time at Stoke. Uh, obviously, I remember watching you. I used to go down and watch under 18s, watch you play on the left of a midfield three for Noel Blake. Yep. And then, obviously, as with a lot of players, I know uh, Ryan Shotton, for example, who was placed never left the header at Sancho for three years, yeah. and then never played there for the first team. A bit too young for that one. 
how was it making that sort of being put into the first team for that position then having to sort of obviously I know you did play left back for the youth team but yeah. sort of then moving to another position um, I, I loved playing in that midfield three on the play kid he was, he was fantastic with me and did get moved into the first team playing in midfield but um, I think Pulis It was just an easy transition because, like I said, I played there a hell of a lot before. So wherever he needed me to play, I was willing to put the work in to make sure I pleased him for, for being in around the first team. Yeah, he's definitely one of their managers you sort of run through a brick wall for, isn't he? Yeah, he just he just trusted you as long as you you put the work in and um, you were willing to fight. He'd look after you, and you know he was he was different class with me from the minute stepped into the first team trainer into the minute I left the football club and even after when he used to let me come back and train um, I'd say I owe him a hell of a lot yeah. I mean obviously he wasn't your only manager at Stoke either was he you had, you had boss camp for a season yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, yeah there's, a, there's a few stories we sort of heard about you have you got anything uh, do, you, do you know what he was he was actually really good with the young players um, yeah. we used to do penalty shootouts with him after training and he said, whoever the loser was, I had to buy him fish and chips. <laughs> so, but like I say, he, he was good with him, lads. A lot of us played quite a bit of football under him. So he, he was always good. Um, I've not got a bad word to say with him. It was just obviously there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I didn't know too much about it. But being a younger player, I was just like, oh, it is what it is kind of thing. But yeah, it was uh, just certainly an eventful season because we'd either win 4-1 or get spanked 4-1. It was, it was fun in that sense. <laughs> I remember him saying it once uh, in a post-match thing at Radio Stoke that he likes his full-backs to be playing on the wrong side so that he can cut it and shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can, I can see where he might be coming from, but um, no, like I say, it was, uh, it was an eventful season. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, he, was, he was always good with me, yeah. so I, I, can't, I can't say anything more than that, really. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed a nice bloke for yeah, he was, like I say, he, he, he seemed to have a good relationship with most of the lads. I think it was just, like I say, a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes <laughs> that seems to crack off and led to him going. Yeah, I mean, obviously then, like, the Pulis then returned and, and sort of, like, the Coates family sort of took back over. And did you notice sort of the change then in the, around the club as well? It was just a complete change in mentality. standards anyway of what was set and it was almost kind of like well I'm back and I'm, and I'm making sure we do something um, you could sense that from day one when he came back through the door um, and yeah as you say the rest is history because what he seemed to do from that moment on was absolutely incredible I suppose you had like you had Danny Higginbottom come through the door straight with Ricardo Fuller and then obviously then during the season like Lee Hendry sort of came in that sort of woke a few people as well, didn't it? As good as Rick and Danny were, that seemed to be the sign in that people were, oh, hello, what's Stoke doing here? Exactly. That one was probably the start of it where you thought, wow, look, Stoke are attracting some yeah. you know, quality players here. And Hendry was brilliant in his bumps. So, um, 
No, I think that seemed to <laughs> make people. Charlie, Charlie. You need people like him. But um, yeah, I think that was the next phase then of going right. Well, where can we actually keep improving? And it just seemed to take off from there. And then just seemed the club just seemed to keep getting better and better. And I mean, obviously that then culminated into in promotion. That you know. We, we would have to be stoked. Nil-nil draw. <laughs> it's it's one of the most boring games in history, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, remember, I remember Nashi pulling off a, an amazing save for me and Hume. Um, but other than that, I don't think much happened at all in the yeah. game. Uh, it was really scrappy. Because uh, obviously they, sides, they were yeah. fighting for their lives yeah. as well. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's, there's some sort of iconic photographs. I think we put one on our Twitter feed to advertise for this. Um, of you celebrating, and obviously, there's one where you stood there and everyone's running at you. That's my favourite photo I've had. Yeah. That's, if somebody can get all that and put it on a big thing for me, I need it. Because, um, <laughs> no, like I say, that was um, that's the biggest thing that sticks out in my mind. And, um, yeah, it was a fantastic day for, for me and my family. Because, um, obviously, I had family who joined that team and losing my dad and, and everything so it was just the biggest sense of relief and emotion come out and yeah I, I milked the life out of it. <laughs> I mean obviously I mean even when we got promoted in the Premier League you did actually start off in the side didn't you that, that first game against Bolton? Where you yeah come on, come on as a sub against yeah. Bolton uh, and, and managed to set up Rick's goal. Um, yeah. Started the, the home game against Villa uh, which was amazing the first mm-hmm. home game Mama scoring in the 93rd minute off his back, I think it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, Middle, Middlesbrough away, which wasn't a great game. And then went out on loan then. Uh, you know, the, the last week of the October window, a lot of people come through. But for me, I was just happy to yeah. be involved in a Premier League club and do what, I, do what I always dreamed to do, was to yeah. say I played in the Premier League. So that was a massive thing for me. Yeah, and then that game against Aston Villa, and that will be remembered by Stoke fans. You know, talked about for generations to come, especially the way it ended. Well, yeah, not, not only that, but Rick's goal as well, which for me doesn't get spoken about enough at all because I'll, it's I'll probably the best goal I've seen someone score in a game yeah. ever. Uh, and if Ronaldo or Messi had scored that, it'd still be getting shown over and over. So, nah, that was that was a special day. Not only for that, but the noise as well. I've, there's not many times I can recall coming out of a tunnel with the airs on my neck, uh, but that is definitely one of them. Well, I mean, and then obviously you did have some loan spells, didn't you? With Watford, uh, was it Leeds? No, I signed for Watford. Signed for Watford, yeah. Yeah, no, I had uh, loan spells at Leeds, Portsmouth, Barnsley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really great clubs to be at. Like I said, Portsmouth was a disappointing season for me. I didn't have a good season there. Uh, Leeds. Uh, I enjoyed the month massively and was thinking I was going to stay but got called back. Um, Barnsley I loved as well, Mark Ron, fantastic manager, he's doing really well with Coventry. Um, but yeah, like I say, uh, it was one of them, I, I just wanted to play football, that was it. I wasn't, you know, I, I was obviously giving everything in training to see where I could go but if I wasn't going to play I needed to play somewhere and that's yeah. all I wanted to do. Yeah, and obviously you would have always had that sort of feeling that you maybe could come back to Stoke after as long as yeah, definitely. Like I say, Bulis was always straightforward with me, and that was, I suppose, that's the biggest thing you can you can ask for as a player is, yeah. is to be told the truth. Definitely. And um, no, he said you need to go and play football. I said, but at any point when I call you back, you're coming back. 
all the time when I went out on loan. But like I say, there's, there's loan, loan spells where you go, right, you're going on loan, but before you go on loan, there's a new deal. Yeah. So I, I couldn't ask of any more. Yeah, because I, I always knew that I had that security and that I was doing well for him, but I wasn't in his immediate plans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was kind of a, a good thing for me. I was still playing football at fantastic football clubs, but I always knew that I had that security of being a Stoke player, as it were. Yeah, and obviously the new contract then would sort of reinforce that, yeah, you are still in the plans, just not right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, even when it comes to me being sold to Watford, um, he, he, he was brutally honest. He said, listen, I'll give you another deal, but you're never going to play. And I was just like, oh, I'm not, I don't just want to be yeah. a lad that stays at the football club. I wanted, wanted to get to the end of my career and say, I've played this many games, I've played these clubs etc and and that was the decision I made I said no I, I want to go and play some proper football and well not proper football but yeah. get as many games as I can under my belt so that's literally what it was I mean eventually you sort of ended up at Port Vale as well didn't you? yeah I'd, I'd gone through I'd gone through a bit of a tough time at Watford with uh, the takeover my first season there was brilliant under Sean Dyche he's he's fantastic and it's no surprise to me how well he's done got the perfect mix for me between his so-called old school values uh, and being up to date and knowing exactly what teams need, his players need and he has a way of doing things and it's that is it. Uh, so it's, it's no surprise to me how well he has done. Um, yeah and that led to obviously the Italian coming in and stuff happening and I just needed to get back home. It wasn't ideal, but um, for me, I just needed a complete fresh start. Being home, the opportunity come, I knew obviously questions were being raised, but both sets of fans are different class. Yeah. They honestly were. I never had one. Don't get wrong, you had the odd comment, etc., from one or two, but overall, both sets of fans are different class. And for me, it was just a case of listen, I just want to play football and work hard and be happy. And that's that's how I've tried in my career. I've keep my head down, work me harder, then at least I know deep down I've given everything. If people don't like it, that is up to them. Yeah. But luckily I was able to, to do well there. I think as well with football fans, if you if they can see you putting in, the Port Vale fans are gonna accept you because you're doing well for them. And the way and the sort of the, the Stoke legend that you are from that era, the Stoke fans are always going to be if you're happy we're happy as well. Yeah, I, I mean I'd say for me I I think it's the same with pretty much every fan around the country. If, if they know that you're willing to fight and do everything you can to win a game of football, then they'll back you up. If, don't get me wrong, they're not always going to be happy because you're not going to play well every game. It's a fact. Um, but if they know 99% of the time that you're giving everything to win a game of football, they can accept maybe a bad performance here or a bad performance there because they know deep down it means a hell of a lot to them. I mean, you were at the end. You were a captain for it at Vale Park as well. Yeah, I was captain for I think it was about two years. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> other stuff happened there as well. But um, no, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed the time there, and I, I would have stayed there if it wasn't for the things that happened. But um, was was it difficult with whatever? Because obviously, that was Don Swearfleet was there, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it difficult having the sort of the fan unrest around you and that? Well, we knew that we knew it was happening anyway. But for yeah. me, it was more 
contract situation of the offer that was put on because and it wasn't just me it yeah. wasn't just me like I say I was captain I, I literally said just give me the same deal again I'll sign um, but like I say there's about nine or ten of us that seem to get offered a hell of a lot less put it yeah. that way um, where we for me we just needed a couple of players that were just going to take us that extra step I think that's all we were away sulk about it or go not fun not fun let's crack on and move on to the next thing yeah and then obviously you say that being back home and then you ended up telling you I know I know it was weird actually because um, I was obviously at Notts County at the time and I was, I was part time coaching with Derby County as well uh, and getting into that side of it there but for security more than anything the deal that Joe offered I, I couldn't really turn it down um, like I say I was getting past that stage of 30 31 um, two-year deals don't probably come around in the lower leagues that often, so I needed to do it. Uh, it was a good deal for me and my family, like I say, that security. So um, yeah, I like to say that it was um, an eventful time my first year there. <laughs> um, a lot of things happened my first year. Questioned football a hell of a lot. Um, yeah, me and me and the manager didn't really see eye to eye. There's a lot of things went on that. I didn't agree with um, because of being professional, etc. But it is what it is. Like I say, you move on quickly. Um, but my second and third year there under Darren Carl, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He was. Um, I speak to him still every week. Uh, we're always on the phone to each other. Don't get me wrong. Last year wasn't great in terms of the football and you know losing losing our captain Lee. But um, yeah. Once the season's finished here, and I can go and watch the last few games down there. Were they were they quite sort of understanding of your decision to come up here? Was it? Um, yeah, like I say, it was um, it was it was an opportunity I couldn't really turn down. It's a, like I say, it's the next place for me. It's my foot in the coaching management door. It's um, it gives me a chance to learn a hell of a lot of things, which I've had to learn quickly here already. Um, but I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. It's um, something now that because at that stage I, I, I wasn't really I was like yeah coaching's there but I'm not fully into it but no I've, I've definitely got the bug and I'm, I'm definitely determined to make sure I keep improving and, and see how far I can take myself in the coaching and management role. Brilliant thank you for your time Carl we won't keep you any no longer. No problem appreciate and, it. Uh, good luck this afternoon and for the rest of the season. Appreciate that cheers lads. Cheers mate thank nice you. One. Well the match played out to form there was a late surge of goals, saw Hamley run out comfortable 6-0 winners in the end in front of a healthy crowd who very much seemed to enjoy the day. But we're going to leave the final words of this podcast to, to the Hamley chairman, Ron McElreevy. Lastly, Dan, I would like to thank you for coming down to Hamley Town Football Club today and helping us to showcase and broaden Hanley's appeal to to the local audience and I hope to see a few more Stoke City fans down very, very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.